This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church, and the title for today is A Prophetic Shock. A Prophetic Shock. We're going to see Daniel predicts the triumphal entry and the cross, both in Daniel 9, 24 to 26. Have you ever had an electrical shock? <laughs> I've gotten lots of them on the farm. Uh, told some of the stories, but I remember the one shock I remember well, too, is we had this swinging electrical fence. It was like so that the tractors could drive into the barnyard and feed through the where the cows would come in and out so the cows couldn't get out. The, the tractor could go through. And so it would drive through the gate. Instead of getting out and opening the gate and closing the gate, my dad put in this swinging electrical fence that had these like kind of like rubber... Uh, rubber poles and on off of it was hanging these like wires, these plastic wires with some metal exposed and that's where the electrical currents would go through. So we could drive through on the tractor but the cows couldn't go back out because it, they'd get a shock, kind of like a dog fence. They would get a shock if they tried to walk out by touching these hanging wires. And so uh, we, we came up with a, a game. On the farm you get a little bit bored so we would come, came up with a game where we would dive through the fence to see if we get a shock because electrical current goes on a pulse, you know, and it would go boom, 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 that kind of thing. So we had a game. We'd see who could dive through without getting shocked. And we would play this game, and I always won. I, I would dive through. Everybody else would get their shocks, but I never got shocked. It was crazy. And every they, my nickname was Lucky Chucky, and I could dive through. And so I never got a shock. Somehow I always timed it just right, and everybody else quit playing the game, but I kept playing. But then, then whenever I would just want to go into the barnyard, instead of like being careful and swinging it open, you know, you'd have to hold the end and swing it open and walk through carefully. I would just dive through because I didn't get Lucky Chucky, and I would just dive through. And I did this for a quite a number of times. Uh, probably should be a professional gambler. <laughs> kidding, kidding, never gamble. But I'm probably lucky chuggy. So, but the one time, I'll never forget it. I was getting ready to go into the barnyard and I, and uh, go help feed the cows or something and I, and I dove through and wham! I hit my shoulder and I got a, a good jolt, shocked my shoulder. I was like, whoa! I was like, like it, it shocked me, literally. And it also surprised me that I would get this shock because I, I had done it so many other times. And I was like, it hurt. And I'm like, I'm never going to do that again. And I never did. That was the last time I dove through the fence. Lucky Chucky was done. Well, you are in for a shock today. We're all in for a shock today, a prophetic shock your faith will never be the same after this passage here in Daniel. And hopefully, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will do that today because of this passage here in Daniel chapter 9. Let's pray. Father, I pray that every person hearing this, their ears would be open, their hearts would be open, their minds would be open. The Holy Spirit would speak to us through your mercy and grace. And if anybody has never put their faith in you, that this day would be the day. And if someone else all the rest of us, that our faith would be strengthened for whatever spiritual battles we're facing. Our, our, our faith would be strengthened because of this passage. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, quick review. Daniel, Daniel studies the book of Jeremiah, the prophecies of Jeremiah. He discovers that that Israel was going to be 70 years in exile in Babylon. He understands that God had already prophesied how long they would be there. He prays. An angel appears and gives them this amazing 
prophecy. And he says, just as the Jews suffered 70 years in Babylon, just as they're going to suffer 70 years in Babylon, they're going to go back into the land. But even though they go back into the land, they will still be under Gentile oppression for another 70 times 7 years. before 70 times 7 more years before God sends them a dramatic solution, which we're going to see here today. Now let's start off by reading the passage, Daniel 9, 24 through 26a. We're going to do the rest the next time. Uh, wild stuff the whole way through. But in Daniel 9, 24, it starts out saying, 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know and understand this, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So, I, in the uh, YouTube site or podcast site, wherever you are, there is a, an attachment and the attachment has two different attachments. One is a, 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 a write-up based on what I'm going to be talking about, so I would encourage you to maybe pause this, print that out, have it in front of you, but then also to... Um, with this attack, also there's a graph, a picture that you can follow along everything, and that's something you can always keep. And those will both be attached. One will be on the screen. One will be attached underneath. In fact, let me make sure I make sure those are attached. Okay. And so here they are. Though here's the here's the picture, and here's the write-up which I'm going to be referring to. So you'll have this as you want to maybe come back and listen to this again. You'll have this attachment. You'll have this picture. You'll be able to follow along because it's pretty intense. You might even want to print them both out, print both of them out, and 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 put them somewhere you can see them as you study this. So anyway, first of all, we're going to start off with a triumphal entry. Robert Anderson. Robert Anderson worked for Scotland Yard and he applied the investigative techniques of, of Scotland Yard to Bible prophecy and specifically to the book of Daniel. And he wrote a book called The Coming Prince. The Coming Prince. And he was knighted for his efforts. He became Sir Robert Anderson. The findings are, and it's incredible findings that he, they came up with, regarding the time frame from the, from the decree to rebuild to the coming prince, this is going to shock you. Daniel talks about this time frame from the decree to the coming prince, from the decree that's given out to the coming prince. It's going to shock you. Daniel talks about 70 times 7. 70 times 7, which is 490 years. Okay? Now, the first 69 times 7, the first 69 times 7, which is 483 years, that is already fulfilled as we're going to see. The last 7, is a, there's a prophetic gap. The last 7 years is in the future. It's a prophetic gap. We're going to see that next time. I'll give you a hint. It's in the book of Revelation. Okay, it's a tribulation in, in Revelation. But so back to what Robert Anderson found. <coughs> we're going to focus on the 69 times 7 today. When do the 69 times 7 years, the 483 years, when do they begin? 
Verse 25 said, with a decree to rebuild Jerusalem. The, re the decree to rebuild Jerusalem begins the, the clock, the ticking clock of 69 times 7. There were four decrees to rebuild. The first three were to rebuild the temple, but the fourth decree was to rebuild Jerusalem. And in Nehemiah 2, verses 1 to 8, King Artaxerxes gives Nehemiah permission to rebuild Jerusalem's walls. Okay, that's the, the command to rebuild Jerusalem. That's in second, I'm sorry, in Nehemiah 2, 1 to 8. King Artaxerxes tells Nehemiah, rebuild the walls. This was, when he gave that decree, this was the first day of Nisan in Artaxerxes' 20th year. We're using the Hebrew calendar here. The first day of Nisan in, the 20, in Artaxerxes' 20th year. Now, I'm giving you a lot of crazy stuff. Once again, right, run off the page. You always have this here, but just listen for this, right, this moment. This was what we would call March 14th. March 14th, 445 B.C. Okay? Now, if you take the, six, the, the 7 plus 62 which equals 69 weeks, times 7 equals 483 years. Once again, see the insert, see the chart that I have up there. Very, very in, in, interesting. But then, if you multiply the 483 years times 360 days. Why 360 days? Because they were using the Hebrew prophetic calendar at this time. We didn't have the 365 days. It was 360 days, Hebrew prophetic calendar. And it comes out to be 173,880 days. That's how many days it is, okay? That's what it adds up to. Now, if you take March 14th, 445 BC, which is when Artaxerxes gave the decree to rebuild Jerusalem, which is what Daniel says starts this prophetic calendar here, the clock starting. If you take that date, uh, March 14th, 445 BC, and if you add the days that Daniel gave, 173,880, you end up exactly on April 6th, 32 A.D. Why is that a big deal? Because that's the exact day that Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. He presented himself as the Messiah, the triumphal entry, exactly on that day. Is that incredible? Exactly. Daniel gives the exact day from the decree to the, the, the when the Messiah, the coming prince, would present himself. He gives the God didn't leave any doubt prophetically. Talk about prophetic shock. God gave the exact day that the Messiah would actually present himself. Exact day. Sir Isaac Newton said you could stake the truth of Christianity on Daniel 9 alone, whose coming was predicted 500 years before. This is Sir Isaac Newton. Uh, uh, there was a rabbi, Rabbi Leopold Khan, Rabbi Leopold Khan, listen to his, what he says in his story here. It says, Leopold Khan, a European rabbi, studied the prophecy of the 70 weeks of Daniel and on the basis of verse 25 and 26 came to the conclusion that the Messiah had already come. He figured it out. It's there. He was puzzled and he approached the older rabbi and says, where's the Messiah? 
and the, the rabbi didn't know, but he told him he thought maybe he would go to the USA and New York City where many, many Jews were living. He thought, check out New York City, maybe we'll get some answers there. So Khan went to America, he was seeking the Messiah, he gets to New York, he's wandering the st streets trying to find someone who could tell him where the Messiah was, all right? One night he walked past the door of a gospel mission and heard people singing. He went in and sat down in the back and heard a preacher talk about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That night, Leopold Kahn received Jesus Christ as his Savior. He bought a stable, swept it out, set up some chairs, and began to hold his own gospel meetings. This was the first outreach which was to become the American Board of Missions to the Jews. It all started because the rabbi read the ninth chapter of Daniel. Amazing, amazing prophecy. And there's more. There's more. Not only did God predict the exact day of the triumphal entry, not only that, but there's more. He also, Daniel also predicted the cross. The cross. Verse 26. Going to go back to verse 26 here where it says, Daniel 9, verse 26, where it says, Oh, here it is. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The anointed one will be cut off. Cut off. The Messiah is going to be cut off. It means to kill or destroy. The literal, the word literally means to punish to death by piercing. To punish to death by piercing. The execution of the Messiah of the Messiah is clearly taught in the Old Testament scriptures all over the place. Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, many, many passages in, in intricate detail and also exactly when the Messiah would be executed, when the Messiah would be crucified is taught very clearly. It's after the 69th week, after, according to Daniel, after the triumphal entry and before the temple is destroyed. Verse 26, before it's destroyed. So you have this window, the triumphal entry and the temple destroyed. Between that time frame, the Messiah must be crucified. Now, the first temple was already destroyed when Daniel gave this prophecy. There was no temple. So we know he's talking about the second temple. And the Bible was very clear that that second temple would be rebuilt. Uh, Ezra fulfilled that prophecy. The book of Ezra and Ezra, God leading Ezra, that fulfilled the prophecy that the second temple would be rebuilt. It's also clearly prophesied that the Messiah would come to that temple. The Messiah, the, the, in scripture, the Messiah had, many scriptures, this is one included, had to come to the second temple. Specific prophecies that the Messiah, who we know is Jesus Christ, had to come to that second temple temple, which would in turn be destroyed by the Romans. Daniel explained that would be returned to, would be destroyed by the Romans, which means that the Messiah has to have already come. He can't come now. He can come a second time. We know he's going to come a second time to the third temple when it gets rebuilt, but he can't come for the first time. It's impossible because there is no second temple. There's no second temple. The Jews knew this. 
The Jewish leaders knew this. The Jewish people knew this. That's why when Rome, they were looking forward to the Messiah, but then the temple was destroyed. And that's why when Rome destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in 70 AD, they wept. The Jews wept in the streets. The ones who survived, most of them were killed or taken as slaves. But the ones who were left wept in the streets because the Messiah had not come yet. And now, how could he come? The, the, the temple was destroyed. Many rabbis throughout history have recognized this fact. In the, the book, The Search for the Messiah, an excellent, excellent book if you have Jewish friends who are searching for the Messiah. It's a super book on this. But he, he, he brings this very thing out that... Um, here it is. I'll give you a couple, just a couple of examples. In the 12th century AD, Rabbi Moses ben Maimon, one of the most respected rabbis in history, and a man who also rejected the messianic claims of Jesus of Nazareth, said regarding Daniel's 70-week prophecy, he said this, Daniel has explained to us the knowledge of the end times. However, since they are secret, the wise rabbis have barred the calculation of the days of the Messiah's coming so that the untutored populace will not be led astray when they see that the end has already come, but there's no sign of the Messiah. <laughs> he figured it out. He knew. <laughs> he, he rejected Jesus, but he knew. The numbers don't add up. It's impossible for the Messiah. The, the, the Messiah should have already come. He knew. He knew this. He knew this truth. He knew it. Uh, God made it clear when the Messiah would come again. God made it clear and he showed exactly who it is, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Why God, and that's why God held him accountable for this day. In fact, in Luke 19, in Luke 19, Verse 41, listen to what Jesus says, holding them accountable. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. This day God held them accountable for this day that Daniel predicted. They should, they should have known it. A lot of rabbis did figure it out. They still rejected. They rejected. That's why Jerusalem is judged. Verse 26, judged, destroyed by the ruler of the of the pe uh, by the people of the ruler is to come. The ruler is to come is the Antichrist, uh, ruler of the revived Roman Empire. So we know it's Rome. So the Romans would destroy Jerusalem and the temple just as Jesus prophesied. I'm going to read it to you again, uh, but a few more verses this time. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace, and now it is hidden from your eyes, the days will come when you will, when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus gives that prophecy and it is exactly what happens. Not one stone on top of another. In fact, uh, 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 what book was this in? I think this is also in the Search for Messiah. It talks about 70 AD, Titus Vespasian and the, the Roman legions laid siege to the city, slaughtered more than a million inhabitants. Inadvertently, they, the interior of the temple caught fire. The extensive gold coverings and fixtures had melted. And it was subsequently, because the, this gold melted down into the cracks between the stones, the Romans took the stones apart stone by stone. 
to recover the gold. That's why not one stone was left by another. They completely dismantled the temple top to bottom and fulfilling Jesus Christ's specific, very, very specific prediction here. So we see this very thing, amazing proof. How could they miss it? How could, not all Jews, Jesus was Jew, the apostles were Jew, the initial, the first century church was almost all Jewish, but how could so many miss it? The same reason that so many miss it today. Because, not because of a lack of proof, but it was because of hard hearts. They made up their minds before studying the scripture, before seeing how God was working. They made, they had hardened their hearts. They wanted a Messiah of their own making. They wanted a worldly hero, not someone to pay for their sins, not someone to change their lives. And it's the same in the USA today. We, we, so many reject God. Why? Because they invent their own God. They create their own God. They build their own Jesus. So like build a bear, they build their own Jesus. A genie in a bottle that will just meet their needs and, and, and give them what they want. And they're excited about God until they realize that, that, realize that he goes, that the God's word goes against what they feel like doing. God's word goes against what they want to believe. It goes against what they feel. And, and once they realize that God's word goes against that, then they're not excited about God anymore. And that's why even back in Jesus' time, why so many in the triumphal entry, so many in the cheering crowd became a murderous mob. Snap just like that. Reminds me of, of the riots and, and the looting going on in the USA today. See those mobs? That's exactly that they've turned Turned on that these mobs are, are obviously antichrist. I'm not talking about peaceful protesters. I'm talking about the rioters and, the, and, the, and the, the mobs that are out there and the violence that they're doing, the looting that they're doing. That that is a picture. That's antichrist, and that's a picture of when the mobs turn on Jesus Christ. It's the same picture that you have here. And that's why they rejected Jesus as the Messiah and crucified him on the cross. Daniel 9.26 said he was cut off. He was crucified, pierced, killed by piercing. And that's, and, and then it goes on to say he will have nothing. He, he's cut off, but he will have nothing. Why? Because he died for others. Not for himself, he died for others. He didn't receive what is due him as the king of the Jews yet. We're going to see that in the second coming. Wait till we get the rest of Daniel and the book of Revelation. But although he has nothing yet, something was accomplished. Daniel 9.24, something was accomplished. Something was accomplished. Talking about Israel, but also what the Messiah accomplishes. Also 9.24, to finish transgressions, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Talking about the Messiah and what he's going to accomplish. Very important because this is vital to us today too. Finishing the transgression. What did Jesus say? The last words on the cross? It is finished. To put an end to sin. What did Jesus do? He paid for our sin. To atone for the wicked. What? That's us again. We're the wicked. He atoned for us. Our atonement. To bring righteousness. Exactly what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He brought righteousness for us. In fact, in Romans 3, 21 to 25, it says this. But now, now get this. Connect the dots to what I just read here in Daniel 24. Romans 3, 21. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets 
testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. Through faith in His blood. God presented Him as a a righteousness, sacrifice of atonement. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He, He fulfilled Daniel 9 completely. Have you... Had your sin paid for? Have you become at one with God? Have you, you can only do this by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. His death on that cross and His blood that He shed. The one, the ultimate Lamb of God that was sacrificed for everyone. To all who believe. Sacrifice of, of atonement for all who believe. John 3.16 tells us how to believe. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a moment when we pray. But I want to also ask those who have already put their faith in Christ who are Christians, are we living by faith? Are we living by faith? God is in control. Even these crazy times that we're facing in in the USA today, God is in control. God has it all mapped out. We can trust Him with our life. We can trust in His plan. Even though we may not like it, it's a roller coaster ride. Woo! Up and down, around. We may not like it, but we can trust it. We have to hold His hand. We have to hold His hand and trust Him even in these insane times. And look at the book of Daniel. Look at what Daniel went through. Look at what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through. Look what the captives went through. 70 years. And look at how long they waited. Almost 500 years of, of chaos and war. And then came the cross. God's plan went through all that time of history. God's plan was not stopped, was not off course. He, it was still accomplished on the cross after almost 500 years. And that's why it's vital for us to live by Faith. Over and over you see that again in the Bible. Live by faith. For we live by faith, not by sight. Not by feelings, but by faith in Jesus Christ and His Word. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? Maybe you feel like your life is out of control. Maybe you feel like the world is out of control. Maybe you're very anxious. We're all, we're all struggling with anxious, anxiety, aren't we? Hard not to. But do we have faith? Are we able to work through that, that anxiety and those anxious feelings and the stress that we're facing? Are we able to work through it every day and get to a place of peace and joy and faith? By, by trusting God, by trusting His plan, by staying close to Him, by being in prayer, by being in His Word and seeing His promises. And while you're praying about that, I want to speak to those uh, who have never put their faith in Jesus. Maybe you're listening to this today and you have never put your faith in Jesus. But today, for the first time, you realize that God's that Jesus' triumphal entry was prophesied to the day. That the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross was clearly crucified 
clearly prophesied and it's impossible for anyone else to be that person. No second temple. The prophecies have been fulfilled by Jesus. It's impossible for anyone else to be God's son, God's the, the chosen Messiah, the anointed one. It's impossible. Only Jesus Christ can be that person, is that person that we can put our faith in and our trust in. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus? Have you ever given him your life? The prayer of faith, God, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my old life. I died to my old self. I put my faith in your son Jesus who died on the cross in my place for my sin to take my punishment. He gave his blood for my blood. He gave his blood to wash me clean. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to your son. Father, I pray that each one of us would be saved by faith and live by faith because of these, this prophecy in Daniel. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.